The big surprise for TCU on signing day, they land another transfer prospect that wasn't really rumored. I mean, there was some interest there, but wasn't much in the way of smoke before there was fire. They land Caleb Elarms or leading tackler at Cal last year at the linebacker position. And we'll recap the rest of that 2024 signing class. Coming up next, it's Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Locked On Horn Frogs. We're live on YouTube right now. Uh, podcast wise, we're free and available wherever it is you get podcasts Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, wherever it is you like to take in podcasts and its audio variety, we are there. Uh, locked on network, locked on horn. All right. One great thing about going live, you can't hide a sneeze. So that's it. That's just live. That's just live broadcasting, baby. Uh, nice little sneeze there. Start the show. Muted the mic to try to take some of the edge off that one. But locked on horn frogs, we're here. And I must be allergic to good players because that's what TCU brought in. That's a terrible joke. But the 2024 signing class, it is pretty much wrapped up. Um, so there's two signing days now. But by and large, the majority of these athletes now sign in December. A lot of that is because many of them will enroll early. Um, and they'll go ahead and go through spring practice with their teams. And then you also have guys that just go ahead and sign. And they'll still stay in high school for one more semester. But then they'll make that transition to the program during fall camp. The big surprise for TCU. Um, now, they have been really active in the transfer portal right before signing day in this first transfer window. There will be another one later on in the spring and summer. One big uh, guy they landed, though, Caleb Elarms or linebacker from Cal, had a super productive season last year. 87 tackles, 49 solo tackles, one sack, a forced fumble, an interception, was a leading tackler. On a Cal team that made a bowl game, um, they ended up losing that bowl game to Texas Tech, but they were in the postseason. Justin Wilcox, good defensive coach. Watching some film, I mean, he is fast to the football, um, flows really well, seems to read things well, was asked to do a lot in coverage as well as coming up in run support. Seems like a good fit for Andy Avalos' scheme. Now, I, I was looking online as soon as I found out about this, trying to research about him and who he is and um, his name had come up briefly in this process, but I hadn't heard a lot about him being linked to TCU. But anyway, when he signed with Cal, I saw the Cal coaching staff talking about how in high school he did a little bit of everything. He was a, a stand-up edge rusher. Sometimes we'd have his hand in the ground as a defensive end. Uh, and then also your traditional linebacker. It seems like at Cal this past season, he was pretty much exclusively your more traditional in-the-box linebacker. And – they, they've already added some guys that kind of fit that stud role, quote-unquote, like Cooper McDonald, and that's a new position um, in this scheme, in this Andy Avalos defense, where you have uh, a guy who's basically a stand-up edge rusher, but they'll also ask to be do some have some responsibilities in coverage. Um, they went and got Devon Deal, uh, Marcus Deal's brother, who could fit that role as well, could also just be a hand-to-the-ground, more prototypical defensive end. But with that being your D-line, as, as well as some other additions, then you have the flexibility and the ability to put 
Johnny Hodges, um, Shad Banks, now Caleb Larms or in their more traditional spots, kind of as inside linebackers, middle linebackers, and allow them to just play in the box like they typically would. This seems like a great pickup. I mean, this is a guy that's going to come in and I imagine start right away. As I said, leading tackler on a Pac-12 team last year, did a really fantastic job for Cal. Um, and there wasn't there wasn't a lot of smoke about this. What I mean by that is usually, you know, of course, Horn Frog Blitz, they do a great job. Jeremy Clark does a great job of kind of breaking down who has interest and where they're going. I saw a story about Caleb uh, from like one of the national 247 guys just, hey, he's taking a visit, but then he's also going to go to Ohio State. So TC went head-to-head with Ohio State to land this linebacker. And I remember reading the story. It was kind of odd timing because it was right in the middle of um, the transition with Joe Gillespie leaving and Andy Avalos coming on staff. I think it was the day after it was announced that there was going to be a new defense coordinator. So it just seemed like strange timing that he would get there as soon as – that transition happened, and I mean, I don't even know how much he got to talk to the different coaching staff members, but bottom line was, I read the story, and I was like, okay, he seems like a good player, and that's awesome that TCU got him on campus for a visit, but he's going to go to Ohio State next. I imagine this will be the last I hear about him, because he'll probably go to Columbus, get in the building there, they'll get things squared away, and then that'll be the end of it. Well, that's not what happened. I mean, he ended up picking TCU, and it just kind of when they when uh, TCU football put out their press release on the website yesterday, he was just included in the mix. So they did this pretty quietly, um, but they went and got him, and they were going head to head against Ohio State. They went and got J.C. Oliver, the Tulsa safety, uh, and they were going head to head against Houston and UCLA in that matchup. So nice job of this coaching staff in the portal, and I don't think you can say enough about how they were able to maintain continuity here. Because when Joe Gillespie got let go, I said, look, I mean, you're going to see like something you need to prepare for. You're going to see some current players transfer out. You're you're probably going to see high school guys that decommit. Uh, I didn't know how active they could be in the portal on defense because it was all happening really fast. And it was, you know, it all happened 10 days before signing day. But hats off to this coaching staff. I mean, by and large, didn't really lose many of the, the current players once this change happened. You actually go get Jonathan Bax after he entered the portal, have him withdraw his name, get him back on the roster, and he should be a really good fit in this defense. Um, and they were able to add some guys that make sense for this scheme. I mean, Donovan Saunders, the corner from Cal Poly. I mentioned Oliver from Tulsa. Um, Caleb Alarmzor from Cal, the linebacker. Cooper McDonald, the edge guy from San Diego State. Uh, Davian Deal from uh, Tulane, who joins his brother now. I mean, there were some connections there that helped. The bottom line is you're able to get this done and do it effectively um, at a time where, you know, there was a lot going on and a lot of transition happening. It's a really nice job by Sonny Dykes and his coaching staff keeping this team together. We're going to go over uh, some of his thoughts. He had a press conference on – Wednesday, talking about the signing class. They ended up signing 33 players yesterday. Um, I believe 19 high school guys and then uh, 14 transfers. Or excuse me, 21 high school players signed letters of intent. And then their 14 transfers, the majority of them also went ahead and signed their letters of intent yesterday. And he said they're expecting 
I think 22 players, 22 new faces in spring camp. So a number of these players are going to enroll early, hit the ground running, get used to this offense and defense, which is great news for TCU moving forward because you have a new defensive scheme. So in an ideal world, you do a lot of that install during spring camp so that once fall rolls around, I mean, it's not going to be perfect. There's still going to be some ups and downs and ebbs and flows to it, but you can at least start repping the things that you were installing, you know, during the spring part of practice um, and get these guys up to speed as fast as possible. When we come back, I'm going to run down the entire class. So I know not everybody is locked into recruiting all the time. I'll let you know all the high school players that signed. We'll go over some of the transfers as well. And I'll just kind of give my brief thoughts on them. Um, a, a class that's ranked 31st in the high school ranks according to 247 Sports. Now, 247 does separate rankings for the high school class and the transfer class. The transfer class at the moment is ranked number four in the country, which is really impressive. Sonny Dykes and his coaching staff trying their best to kind of flip this roster over immediately and get them ready for 2024. That's all coming up here on Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. Perfect day for our first sponsor to be involved in the show because talent acquisition, it's a 365-day-a-year job. And LinkedIn Jobs, they will help you hire for your small business. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible in interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn is not just another job board. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats, and they might not have the resources or the time to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive. It's quick, easy. They even launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. That's LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. So who did TCU sign on Wednesday? Let's run down the list of players and talk about each and every one of them as the Frogs uh, continue to hurdle here through the offseason. Ja'Kyle Baker, four-star wide receiver out of Brownsboro, Texas. He signed his letter of intent. Uh, Baker is 6'2", 170 pounds, East Texas product, had offers from Oklahoma State, Auburn, Baylor, Colorado State, and many others. Uh, Played basketball and track and field in high school. Was a 4A regional qualifier in the 200 meters. Great speed, great frame, glides past defenders. In 2022, 51 catches for 712 yards and eight receiving touchdowns. That was as a junior. That was his breakout season. Uh, Ja'Kyle, the the word on him is this is a guy that can stretch the field vertically. He's the top-rated wide receiver um, for the Horned Frogs, top-rated player in this class according to 247 Sports. And this is, you know, kind of your replacement for you lose Cordell Russell to Colorado, you go get Braylon James, you add – uh, Ja'Kyle Baker to the mix, a big-time playmaking receiver, will make his way to Fort Worth this spring. Haas Haney, quarterback from Alito, four-star player, elite 11 finalist, I believe a three-time state champion uh, with the Bearcats there. He was originally committed to Duke, uh, had a lot of interest from just about everyone. Um, you know, the, the one thing that kind of held Haas back in the evaluation process was he's listed at 5'11", and that – kind of undersized stature, according to evaluators, was something that hurt him. But 
he did really well at the Elite 11 Finals. He is a plus-plus athlete, can really run, super athletic, um, and he's a great dual-threat player. True dual-threat quarterback with terrific top-end speed uh, that's been verified at the track level as well. He shows speed. He's a, a scrambler, um, designed run threat, can throw the long ball. Haas had an outstanding high school career. You know, Alito is a it's a program that wins a lot. They win all the time. They're frequently in the state title game. But Haas was a special player, did an outstanding job there, um, and they just won a state championship against Smithson Valley a few weeks ago, and he will be another player that enrolls early. Uh, running back, Jeremy Payne from Missouri City, Texas, 5'10", 170 pounds, um, also rated as a four-star prospect, had interest from Auburn, Baylor, Boston College, among others. Uh, big play running back in high school. What can catch passes out of the backfield. Both the running backs that TCU landed in this class are pretty versatile. They'll get it done in the passing game. They'll get it done in the running game as well. Great speed. There's going to be some opportunity with this running back room now. I mean, you lose – Amani Bailey, the NFL draft. So Cam Cook, I, I guess at the moment would probably be the odds-on favorite to be your number one back. You also have Trey Sanders, Corey Wren, Trent Battle, and then uh, true freshman two two true freshmen coming in, and Jeremy Payne being one of those from Missouri City, Texas. Travis Jackson from Tyler, Texas, went to Tyler Legacy High School, a three-star defensive lineman, edge player, defensive end, 6'3", 240 pounds. Um, I mean, Travis was a special guy. He had he had an Alabama offer uh, and a lot of other teams that were interested in his services. He is your prototypical pass rusher, good height, good ample frame. Um, and I think this is going to be a, a key piece for Andy Avalos moving forward. He was one of the first guys that committed to this class, was sort of a headline player. He's been very active in trying to recruit other players, at least on social media. Fun to have him here, Travis Jackson coming to Fort Worth. Nate Palmer, running back from Decatur, Texas. Three-star player. He joins Jeremy Payne. Um, he had offers from Arkansas, Arizona, Auburn, and Baylor as well. Uh, ran a, an 11-2-8 in the 100 meters um, in the spring of 2023. As a junior, he ran for 2,250 yards and 25 touchdowns on almost seven yards of carry. Also caught um, 30 passes for over 400 yards. And he had Decatur in the uh, – the state semifinals in 2022, um, and they had another long uh, run this past year. So uh, one thing that Sonny mentioned in that press conference on Wednesday is that they feel like they got a lot of guys who are from winning programs, and so that's going to be something that they're excited about and that they're looking to kind of watch develop and happen through the years here. Devondre McGee, um, a corner from Conroe High School, uh, 6'1", 180 pounds, had offers from Memphis, Ole Miss, and others. Um, another guy that's super fast, really rangy. Uh, Sonny Dykes talked about wanting to get uh, longer and more athletic at that corner position. McGee could be that guy. And I saw Dave Campbell's Texas football. They put out a story yesterday, and they said he was the sleeper in their mind in this high school class. They really like what he brings to the table. Tobias Steps, one of the many offensive linemen that the Frogs are bringing um, to the table from Lancaster, 6'5", 260 pounds, three-star player. Uh, I think the ceiling's really high for Tobias. He's got a great frame, really long, really rangy, and athletic at that tackle position. Um, and he's just still kind of learning and growing into that O-line spot. So a, a player that I think you can go develop and make 
into a really good offensive line in the next few years. Chris Brister from Stephenville, Texas, 6'4", 295 pounds. He also played offensive tackle in high school. We'll see if maybe they try to move him inside. Uh, but they are going heavy on the O-line. Uh, Brister looks more like a big bruiser who could be super effective in the run game. And he will get there on campus with Tobias Steps and others. Doozy Azukama, his brother Eric Azukama, um, was a great wide receiver at Texas Tech. Played his high school ball at Timber Creek. Uh, Azukama was originally committed to Oklahoma. TCU flipped him late in the process. A three-star player, but again, could stretch the field, can make plays at the high school level. Has um, that you know plus athlete pedigree in his family. Wesley Harvey, one of the more intriguing prospects from this class from Muskogee, Oklahoma, 6'7", 265 pounds. Um, TCU got onto Wesley like early in the process. I think his only offer when he committed was New Mexico State. He ended up getting offers from Houston, Memphis, and others. Uh, but again, kind of betting on that frame, that size, and turning him into a great player. Devin Hirogo from Franklin, Texas. Franklin, another team that played in the state title game. Um, he's got a couple state championships in his high school career. Three-star safety, six feet tall, 185 pounds, was originally committed to Wyoming. He also had an Iowa State offer. Um, Devin was a super athletic player in high school, had some position flex, played corner and safety, seems to fit the mold of a safety in this 3-3-5 scheme who can get after it and uh, can do multiple things, can play in the box and can also play in coverage. Need safeties who can run and cover in this new system that Andy Avalos is bringing to Fort Worth. Ryan Hughes, offensive tackle, 6'6", 300 pounds from the Woodlands. Um, another one of those early commits to this process and another developmental lineman. We talked about with these linemen, a lot of it's a numbers game. You get as many guys in here as you can, and in two or three years, you just sort of look and see, okay, who is taking over, who is getting it done. Julian Knox, athlete uh, from North Crowley. He will most likely play DB here at TCU, 6'2", 190 pounds. I think Julian would have gotten a lot more attention if he would have been a defensive back his entire career. He spent some time as backup quarterback there at North Crowley for a few years uh, behind Chris Jimerson and others and um, made that transition to be a full-time defensive player this past season, but he was at one of those uh, camps that TCU puts on and just put up insane testing numbers and the frogs went ahead and offered him and he committed, uh, I think right there on the spot. I mean, it's pretty soon after that camp that he committed Samir Camacho offensive lineman from Sci falls in the Houston area, six, three and 280 pounds, another tackle, uh, big physical, good size, good feet. Excited to see what he turns into over the next few years. Caden McFadden, Safety from Texarkana Pleasant Grove. Doesn't quite have the size that some of these other DBs do. 5'11", 185, but the thing that stood out to Caden when you watch the film, he is a thumper. He comes up and he hits you and he gets after it. Um, so excited to see what he can do coming up from uh, right there in you know, the, the northeast part of the state. Mitch Hodnett from Louisiana, 6'5", 295 pounds, another offensive lineman. Um, projects as an interior offensive lineman at the next level, according to 247 Sports, but was a tackle during his time in high school. Uh, Cole Songrass from the Woodlands, Texas, tied in 6'4", 215 pounds. Um, his offer list, Memphis, Central Arkansas, Arkansas State, another guy that TCU evaluated. They liked him. They went ahead and made the offer, uh, and we'll see what he develops into over the next few years. Sterling Brooks, defensive lineman for North Crowley, Big time size, 6'4", 315 pounds, had offers from Houston, SMU, 
Baylor, Grambling, and others. Um, Sterling made a lot of sense in the last game because he really looks like a true nose tackle. I'm not sure what the plan is for him now, but you definitely need big interior defensive linemen no matter what type of front you're running, and he fits that bill. Kyle Limmerman, the kicker from South Lake Carroll. Somebody asked me the other day, hey, with Griffin Kell moving on, who's going to be doing the special teams duty? Who's going to be doing the kicking? Kyle is going to be doing the kicking. Sonny Dyke said in the press conference um, Wednesday that he thought Kyle was the best kicker in the nation. He thought they signed the best kicker in the nation. Um, he had a big-time leg there at South Lake Carroll, and, I mean, he's going to play right away. As far as instant impact, guys, he might be one of the people to um, peg as as that player because he's going to be on the field immediately. Excited to see him get out there and kick field goals and extra points for TCU, maybe not as many field goals as they kicked this past year. And then Ethan Crawl from Australia, uh, part, of that, part of that Pro Kick Australia Academy, um, 6'3", 210 pounds, don't know a lot else about him, but hey, Australian punters, you know, Jordan Sandy was here for a long time. That's the, the new wave. Everybody's getting uh, their specialty players, especially punters from Australia these days. When we come back, we'll wrap things up with some of Sonny's thoughts from National Signing Day. Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. FanDuel, we got NFL games tonight. You can bet on it at fanduel.com slash lockdown. Again, that's fanduel.com slash lockdown. If you want free money, which I know you do, go make a $5 money line bet at FanDuel. If you win that bet, you get $150 in bonus bets. That's it. Just win a $5 bet. No questions asked. If you want to bet on Rams Saints tonight, go to fanduel.com slash lockdown and do that today. They also have an app that is super easy to use. FanDuel, official betting partner of the NFL and proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network. So a few interesting things that Sonny Dykes talked about at his signing day press conference on Wednesday. He mentioned, obviously, you know, he said a lot of positive things about the guys that they're bringing in. Talked about how they had a lot of winners, a lot of players that were playing in-state championship games, um, that were playing, you know, deep into the playoffs, fourth, fifth round, state semifinals, that type of thing. And he hopes that carries over. He also talked about how important it is to find guys that fit the culture at TCU. And he mentioned that, you know, they're going heavy in the portal. And in the portal, they were looking for players that had a lot of snaps under their belt, experienced players, no matter what the level of football was, guys that had a lot of experience under their belt so they could come in immediately and get up to speed with what TCU wanted to do. Um, and he also talked about just having players that fit the winning culture at TCU and what they want to do moving forward. And I thought it was interesting. Now, I think there's a decent chance that this is just spin. And what I mean by that is, um, okay, so you're telling me like you have the 31st ranked high school class because you're really diligent about finding the right fit for your program. I can buy that that was priority. Now I'd also say, I think if some of the four and five star players that they were going after early in the process would have committed then they would have taken them. But I, I understand what he's getting at. He also said something intriguing to me, which was he actually likes the portal and he likes how college football is moving more and more towards free agency. And the reason that he gave was, he said, if you have a disgruntled player in your program, they can they can just move on after one year. 
So it's not this thing that kind of festers and continues to be a problem. If you have somebody that's upset, whatever the reason is, they're not getting playing time. They're not getting along with coaching staff. Um, they are not, uh, they're not super excited about, you know, it wasn't whatever the case may be. It wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Right. Like we, we see that, but bottom line is, um, if they're not happy, they can just move on. And so it's not this thing that continues to be a problem for the player or for the program moving forward. I thought that was intriguing. And I mean, we saw some guys move on after this past season uh, that it didn't seem like it was on the best of terms, or maybe it was mutual from the standpoint of both parties said, Hey, I think it's better if we, uh, if we just kind of part ways, but I, I just thought that that perked my ears up when I heard that. Right. Jeff Craig, uh, my friend who works at KTCU, he asked a really good question about the calendar now because this is such a year-round sport. I mean, coaches don't really get a break anymore. Like signing day ends, and now they're on to the next transfer portal window. They're on to getting ready for spring practice. They're on to second signing day potentially. Like It's just constant. And he said, you know, as far as burnout goes, last season was tough for them. Last offseason was tough for them because they made it to the national championship game. And he mentioned like they were hosting transfers on official visits during the week that they were preparing for the Georgia game. And that was tough. And it was just, it was difficult. And he said, obviously it's not a good thing that they didn't make the postseason, but they tried to make it into a positive by really focusing on getting guys in the building, getting the committed and turning this roster around. And I think to this point, they've done that. Um, so that's super exciting. And I think he's excited about this class. I feel like they did a good job of evaluating talent um, and moving forward and trying to turn the page quickly. Uh, DB Productions asked me, is going live a new thing? I don't know. I've been, I've just kind of been doing it this week. I, typically, I'm going to record this. I, I will say I like going live. I have a radio background, so it's kind of, I don't know. I feel like my energy is better when I do a live show. Sometimes I think I can get in my head when I record stuff. And anyway, you don't need to know all the ins and outs about my process. I guess you might not be that interested in, in uh, the whole answer, but um, I'm going to go live occasionally, maybe once a week. I probably won't do it this often just because uh, the the network likes me to record shows and post them in a certain way for their own reasons. And, you know, I'm all, I'll play the company game. Like that's, that's what they want me to do. So I'm going to do it, but I might start going live once a week just because I like doing it, but thank you for tuning in. If you're tuning in live or if you're watching it recorded, or if you're just listening to the audio uh, on a podcast later, I appreciate you guys. Um, I'll have one more episode on Friday and then no episode on Monday on Christmas day. I'll be back the 26th though. And I'm planning on doing four episodes the last week in December. So I'll keep talking to you guys. Thank you for watching the show, listening to it, wherever it is you get your podcast. It's locked on horn frogs. It's your team every day.